0: you can convince me by scripture and not by popes or councils who have often contradicted each other unless I am so convinced that I am wrong I am bound to my beliefs by the texts of the Bible my conscience is captive to the word of God to go against conscience is neither right nor save. Therefore, I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me.
1: Amen. Thanks for listening to Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones here with George Mays for Free for All Friday. And George, we think about that special intro.
0: That was nice. She didn't tell me about that A little before. little surprise before you, for you. Yeah. Uh, before you did it, that was good. A little surprise. You know what that means. Yeah. What does that mean? That's, uh, that's an introduction to Reformation Month. It's Reformation Month. Yep. October. What, what's the name of that, that movie that that comes from?
1: I call it the black and white version. The
0: black. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it is the black and white it's version. A it, black... Is it just, is it just called Martin Luther? What's it called?
1: I guess. I don't know. The old Martin Luther. Okay. Black and white version.
0: I, you know, I listen to that and I wonder how close to reality that actually is because I, I don't know. Do you, do you think Martin Luther would have come out like that? <clears throat> I mean I would imagine that he's a little nervous. Wouldn't you wouldn't yeah. you think?
1: Well, he had a da- and he had a day he had a day to stew on it. So yeah, I think he yeah. knows what's going to happen. Uh-huh. But, yeah. And yeah, and part of it too, I mean, maybe the guy's trying to capture his personality cuz yeah. you know, it kind of comes out in his writings. Right. And apparently he was not timid. I mean, he took the papal bull out in right. front <laughs> right. of everyone. Yeah. And lit it on fire and threw major f- verbal fire at the Pope. Right. You know? Yeah. So apparently he was not afraid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's good stuff, though. 1517, mm-hmm. October 31st, not Halloween, October 31st. That is uh, Reformation Day. So here we are. What is it? 200 and, or 504 years? 504 years later? Yeah. 504 years later. So October is Reformation Month. If you're a uh, Protestant, not a Catholic, kind of a big deal. I guess it's a big deal if you're a Catholic, too. Maybe you can hate on Luther all month. I don't know. But (laughs) um, we got kind of a fitting episode for this, I think. What we're going to do, we're going to talk about the SBC again because they're just forcing us to. (laughs) we'd like yeah. to talk about something else, but they just keep giving us things that have to be talked about.
0: I know you'd rather talk about a TikTok video, but we've got to <laughs> continue talking about the SBC, yeah. so here we are.
1: Here we are. Here we are again, and uh, this latest one has to do with Ed Litton again. <laughs> right. The president. Now-
0: Can we stop talking about Ed Litton for a minute? If, if, they, if <laughs> they would just stop stopped. doing stuff,
1: <laughs> yeah. then we could, but- we just can't. And this will open up uh, old discussion because it's so similar. So Ed Litton...
0: You know what's really frustrating is that people who nominated him for president, they already knew this stuff about him. Like the stuff we're talking about yeah. is not new.
1: Well, none of the old ladies of the SBC knew. And that's true. That's what they always bank on. Yeah.
0: 100%. But the the leadership, they they knew who Ed Litton was. They knew this stuff. Yeah. Um, and they went ahead and promoted him anyway and they still continue to promote him
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so he uh apparently we'll just throw
0: let's throw out kind of what they what he did well you know what before that um did you see that uh there have been some calls for his resignation
1: I didn't see any calls for his resignation. I, so uh,
0: I was actually pleasantly surprised by this because um, you know if you're in the machine, then you you kind of have to toe the line. We've talked about the 11th commandment before. You you don't talk about those in leadership. I actually, uh, found that um, the uh, the elders at the church where uh, one of my seminary professors um, is pastor, they actually penned a letter. Um, calling for him to resign. Wow.
1: I think I did see that actually. Yeah, uh
0: James Hamilton. That's the one I saw. And uh, Denny Burt. They're yeah. uh they're at James the Hamilton. He
1: wrote a biblical theology book, little book on biblical theology. He wrote yeah, he wrote a book
0: yeah, yeah um, and he wrote um um Salvation Through Judgment. That's right. It's a bi- biblical theology book. Yeah. Yeah. But he's um I mean he's he's a a, a well liked and and respected professor at at Southern. Uh-huh. And so I, I was surprised. And Denny Burke is there also. Uh, Denny Burke is at Southern, and he's also—I don't know if he still is, but he was the president of the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Okay. So he's not a—he's not a no name. Mm-hmm. But their their elders—they—they uh, they penned a letter. Um, it was it was for their church to explain what was going on, but they call for him to resign. They yeah. They say this. He, sh- he should he should resign over yeah. this. So I was uh I mean no one's listening <clears throat> right. obviously no, but no. I was I was pleasantly surprised that that people who are employed at a Southern Baptist institution actually spoke out against this. So that was that was interesting. Yeah.
1: I think so I think this is an important episode because it reveals I've been thinking a lot about the uh you know this the big controversy with the sexual abuse cover-up and what's mm-hmm. gone on. And, you know, of course, we, we're we for the open investigation of that, and the trustees are kind of stonewalling some of that stuff. But um, people are now all finally, I mean, they're, they're getting the upset. It's like, c- it's convention-wide, right? Mm-hmm. They're calling, their are ma- like, this has to be done. You've got to do it. Now, I think it reveals th- what... What we're going to talk about today and how nobody even cares at all yeah. reveals to reveals to us, I think, what is the true God of the SBC mm-hmm. and the true God. Here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna say. I'm open for correction. You can tell what the true God is by what makes you the most upset. Now, what makes people most upset? They'll say is okay. There's been sexual abuse. We have to care for these victims. But in reality, I think what they've done is. There's, be, there's been a reaction to this because they know how bad it will make the SBC look to the world if it's not handled correctly. And so now everybody all over the place who would never break the 11th commandment are breaking the 11th commandment yeah. in order to address this. But what they will not ever break it for is what we're going to talk about today. Right. And I think that reveals a huge heart problem.
0: Yeah. I, I They weren't hiding it. It was on full display at the uh at the convention several months ago when they kept saying The world is watching, yeah who cares? <laughs> who cares if the world is watching God is watching mm-hmm. uh and I think that he cares that we're faithful to his word, but they don't seem to care so much about that right. as like what you said, the world is watching, mm-hmm. and when the world is criticizing them for something, then they got to take action right. But what we're talking about today, I I think, is more important.
1: Way more. This is this is the uh, the most important. We're going to talk about things that touch on like the gospel itself. Yeah, and
0: you know, there may be people that hear that and they say, "What could be more important than standing up and protecting sexual abuse victims?" Mm -hmm. Um, And that may that may rub some people the wrong way because, well, now you're just talking about theology and. What you're you're really saying that theology is more important than sexual abuse? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now we're not saying that in a callous way. We we certainly aren't saying to the exclusion of this. But right. but when we're touching upon things that have to do with God and with um, how He has revealed Himself and um, the the gospel of of salvation through Christ those things are of the utmost importance they're, they're first important right. issues
1: yeah we're not going to let people do what they think they're you know they're going to do you're saying that sexual abuse is not an important issue to deal with i said no i mean if we're talking about a hor- horizontal issues right that's up there at the very top yeah protecting the uh, protecting the weak mm-hmm. and Usually it's women that are victimized, you know, but you know, what's interesting about a lot of this is is they never talk about the other issue that's tied up in this with sexual abuse of boys and young boys and uh, homosexuality. That's just conveniently always just swept under the rug. Um, but it's, this is a top, this is, this this is as high as it gets on
0: that. But, and we, we've talked about this, I think uh, a long time ago, like all of this stuff is symptomatic. Mm -hmm. None of this is the core, the core problem and i think that that the core problem you're talking about sexual abuse in churches from even ministers the problem is regenerate church membership we've yeah. got a lot of we've got a lot of unbelievers yeah, yeah. who are even in the leadership in sbc well, churches well, and so they're so well, they're 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 acting upon their unbelief they're acting as course. unbelievers so again we're we're the core issue is going back to the gospel and we'll break that i mean yeah
1: Regenerate church membership, and what we mean—if you're just listening and not familiar with that term—is we have been saying for a long time that the SBC is full of unsaved people. Right. Uh, you have non-believers. Now, they, of course, they—they're going to—they're going to ha- maybe have all the ducks in the row theologically. They can tell you stuff, uh-huh. but they are they are not saved. Right. They're not. They don't. They're not regenerate. Um. They're leading churches, they're pastors, they're music leaders, they're youth pastors, they're people of position and power and influence, and they wield tremendous authority. And they're everywhere. Yeah. They're on deacon boards. Um, there's a plague of unregeneration or unregenerate people in the SBC. It's like it's like in Whitfield's day, yeah. you know, when he came in and he's preaching, he gets kicked out of the churches because he starts telling the world. Uh, you need to be born again and most of your ministers are unsaved and they need to be born again too. And they like kick him out. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? That's, I feel like that's where we're at. So,
0: so if you, if you're going to focus on the sexual abuse allegations and you're, you're trying to find, you know, the perpetrators, you kick them out, you know, you, you, you take them to, um, you know, the, the courts, um, you still haven't dealt with the heart the heart problem. Right. You haven't dealt with the core problem. If you continue with your pragmatism, if you continue watering down the gospel and what it means to be a Christian, you, you aren't emphasizing you must be born again and regeneration, then you're just going to invite more sexual predators into the, into the church.
1: And you must bear fruit keeping with repentance. Yeah. Or <laughs> right. be church disciplined. Yeah. Even if you're a pastor.
0: Yeah. And so, yes, this is an important issue. It needs to be dealt with. But the issue is much bigger than just sexual abuse. If we don't deal with the hard issue of the gospel and what, what the SBC has been doing with the gospel and watering it down and, and not focusing, they're, they're doing pragmatism to get the numbers. We'll walk an aisle, say a prayer, boom, you're, you're in. Uh, you can go join an SBC church. You're just gonna have more opportunities for unregenerate people to do wicked things in our churches.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. So, all right, to kick it off, and this will open up some older stuff from 2017, um, Ed Litton recently hosted a big worship evening of unity deal, what they call it, Heal the Divide or something like that, where he— Shrink the Divide. Shrink the Divide. And the goal, I think we would agree with, you can read some of that, of okay. what their goal is, but the goal is to, heal racial, to bring about racial unity and uh, to— Uh, promote unity. I think, well, hopefully it was amongst, uh, to show the world how the gospel could bring people together. But the problem with this is, right, is what he's doing at Lytton is he's cooperated with and he's involved with Roman Catholics and liberal uh, denominations and pro-LGBT groups. No? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, so so you've got you pulled something up.
0: All right, so this was called the uh, it was called Shrink the Divide, um, shrink the racial divide. It's it's an event. This is the fourth fourth annual Shrink the Divide um, event that they've they've had. This is this is hosted by the Pledge Group. Mm -hmm. The Pledge Group is a group of um, uh, multi ethnic, multi denominational. Um, leaders who come together and they are promoting racial reconciliation. All right. Um, you can go onto their website, shrinkthedivide.com, and you can see all of this stuff for yourself. Their vision statement, I think that we could get behind the gospel unites all races, socioeconomic backgrounds, and people, enabling reconciliation through genuine relationships with Christ and one another. Mm. I say, yes. Yeah, that's right. The gospel does do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any, I think, any effort to try to reconcile the races um, without the gospel is is doomed to failure. Right. Um, the the only way that we can truly be reconciled is through the gospel. Um, their mission statement: um, the Pledge Group exists to shrink the racial divide in our own community and throughout the body of Christ by establishing and fostering relationships across ethnic and denominational lines. All right. Um, here's the steering team. I won't read all of them, but we have the steering team. The, these are the people that are are deciding what direction we're supposed to go. Yeah. What What is our purpose? What are our goals? Ed Litton is on here. He's he's uh, a little over halfway down the list. But let me read. Uh, let me read some of these these uh, these leaders from <laughs> multi denominational. Backgrounds, uh-huh. and let me get your response to some of these, Jay. All right, we got Leon Bell Jr. He's from Saint Joseph Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, but then next we've got Tawana Brown from New Life Christian Fellowship. You hear that word that that title for a church? <laughs> what, what's your immediate reaction, Jay? Well, New Life Christian Fellowship.
1: I'm thinking when you say that it's possibly. Uh NAR an NAR church. Okay. New Epistolic Reformation. Yeah. And possibly One Pentecostal.
0: Okay. I mean there's there's just some buzzwords right. that you listen to, right? Yeah. Like mm, I mean we we live in Lawton. Uh-huh. And what, what's our big our big NAR church called? You remember what it's called?
1: I don't even remember, dude. It's uh I don't know. Larry, you look remember it what it's up. called?
0: Over there on uh what, Sheridan and Lee
1: I don't remember man I'm
0: sorry want to look it up uh, we've got uh, oh, here we go we got Rob couch Christ United Methodist Church okay what do we know about the United Methodists
1: they're liberal super liberal now they uh, uh, do they have uh, have they gone and had a trans pastor yet have they done that yet I know they've done everything mm, but that
0: I don't know I don't know yeah. Oh, here we go. We've got Carlos Finley, most pure word of Mary Catholic parish.
1: Okay. Is that guy a deacon or something? Oh, I Does don't it know. Or... It doesn't
0: say priest. It doesn't it, say priest. None of these have their their titles. He it must... just has where they're from.
1: Okay, so he's either a priest in the Catholic Church or a deacon. Mm-hmm.
0: We've got uh, Micah Gaston, the three-circle church, Midtown. I don't know what that's all about.
1: That's interesting.
0: Charlotte Green, Bethel, uh, Bethel. AM, AME Church. Okay, AME. Uh, yeah. American Methodist, yeah. or African Methodist Episcopalian, yeah, yeah. isn't it? hmm Ronnie Hathorn, St. Joseph Catholic Parish. Okay. Victor Ingalls, M- Mobile Catholic Archdiocese. Yeah. Uh, ben, ben Kern's Little Flower Catholic Parish.
1: A lot of Catholics in this.
0: Shree Shaw Lovett Apostolic Church of God.
1: Did yeah, that's that's probably for sure oneness Pentecostal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Probably. <laughs>
1: Almost a hundred percent guarantee yeah. if apostolic's in the name, you're gonna, you're dealing with a, a oneness Pentecostal.
0: Yeah. All right, so that's that's just a handful. Yeah. Right? And we've got we've got women pastors on here. Mm-hmm. Um we've got Catholics. We've got I don't. Know, I'm gonna have to look up some of these, Jay, just to just to see just what to we verify. got going on. <laughs> we got going on here. <laughs> I'm really interested in this uh, Apostolic Church of God. Look
1: up the Apostolic Church. It may it may just be Church of God, though. I mean, there's there's that it possibility. Could. Yeah, good. May not be yeah, oneness, yeah. but.
0: All right. So they had this event. It's a uh, it's a worship service. Yeah. Um. It's a prayer. It's a prayer event. There's pictures of Ed Litton up on stage with. All of them, they end the night by holding hands and praying. They're singing across the aisles, they're singing, uh huh,
1: worshiping, preaching. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they uh, they hold hands, they have a service together. Uh, the president of the pledge group he says today is an opportunity for a diverse group of believers to come together and communicate the fact that we believe the gospel is the way to bring racial reconciliation in every situation. In fact, we believe that's the only way to do it effectively. All right, so we would agree. The gospel is the only way to to bring racial reconciliation. But there's a problem.
1: There's a big problem, and, the, and we're going to deal with that. The big problem is that we've got a different gospel altogether. We don't, I mean, Catholics deny the gospel outright, and we're going to show that. That's why it's Reformation Month, so we're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with justification by faith alone, and we're going to look at the Council of Trent here in a minute, uh, which is... The Catholics' dogma, like it is their official doctrine, uh, and that council, as we'll talk about, came out as, as a response to the Reformation. It's counter Reformation movement, but we aren't together. We can't be united. We can't we can't worship together. We can't show the world that we are together. I mean, this is a massive deal. It is the issue that Protestants through history have died to protect literally died in the thousands uh, it may even be up above the tens of thousands what do you think
0: yeah yeah maybe but
1: for sure uh in the thousands protestants have been killed for the doctrine of justification by faith alone maybe maybe we we'll talk about john rogers here in a second before we do that though we had something similar happen here in uh in lawton it, there was an evening of unity And this was in 2017. Now, this happened October—I looked it up—October 29th. I thought it was actually on the 31st. It was on October 29th of 2017. So almost to the day 500 years after the Protestant Reformation began with Luther's Here I Stand uh, declaration. We uh, hosted—I had a memory pop up. We hosted a conference celebrating the Reformation, the doctrines of the Reformation, right? which are uh, here behind us. Uh-huh. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, glory of God alone, Scripture alone, these solas, these great doctrines. So that was the focus of our conference. In fact, they may have even been hung there. I can't remember. Um, there was an evening of unity planned uh, by Joe Ligon, who was president. I don't know if he's the president of the SBC at the time. He, I think he might have been, though, back then. Now he's the executive treasurer, the interim executive treasurer, is that right? In Oklahoma. He's like in waiting, right? While they the search committee just completed their search for a new guy. He's kind of feeling that role, I believe. I
0: think he actually has a, a job there. He does. But I, I can't remember what he is.
1: Yeah. So Joe Ligon, he's the he was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Marlowe, I think, when this when this happened. He helped plan this event with Walter Wilson, um, who was from Lawton, a pastor in Lawton. And they came up with this idea of having this uh, evening of unity. They wanted to show the world and show the same thing as what you talked about earlier, that the gospel can unite us and bridge these racial divides. So I'll just read a couple of quotes to you from the Baptist Messenger article that they did. So, at this evening of unity, they say... um, the idea was actually birthed last December. Well, let's see. I believe God's timing is in this event. Okay. The event is designed to show that regardless of our race, creed, or color, we can come together and fellowship with each other. We agree with that, right? A hmm 100%. We can. We can all come together. Race, creed, or color, we can fellowship with each other. Um, and then he says, and the event... Talking about the event, he said, yes, the event. It did show that we may be many members, but we all belong to one body. Okay. Now, here's the problem. Same type of event, the Evening of Unity. Uh, if the invite goes out, I start looking at who's going to be on the platform, who's on the stage, who's leading this thing, what is being presented. Well, it's presented as a worship service, but there's going to be uh, Catholics present. Uh, priest. There's also going to be a bishop of a oneness pentecostal church present. So as I looked this stuff up, I said there's no way I'm there's no way I can go to that and present to the world that we're together in the gospel, we're one body because we're not one body. You got one one group Denying the Trinity, you got another denying the gospel, the very heart of the gospel, justification by faith alone, which we're talking about. So, of course, as I've mentioned on here before, I went and talked to the DOM about it, and I told him, I said, "You can't go to that. You represent all of us." He's like, "You know, I'm in a I'm in a tight spot here, you know, because this is for racial unity." And of course, he goes, and many other and many other people in our denomination or our association, they they all went. But that's the day. And I said, I will have nothing to do with the local association ever, unless they come publicly out and repent of that. Yeah. Because this is literally an issue worth being tied to a stake for and lit on fire. It's that big of an issue. And that's what has happened to many people who have stood by the gospel and said, no, we will not negotiate. We are not one. We are talking about two different things here. There is the gospel of Jesus Christ of justification by faith alone, apart from works, and then there is the Roman Catholic doctrine, which is a perversion of the gospel, which Paul says is anathema. And many many uh, Protestants have said, "Okay, we're not going to take up the sword and fight you for it, but we're willing to let you kill us for it. We're not gonna we're not gonna submit to Rome over this." So it's a huge issue. It's massive, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: What you cringing your teeth over there? Where you looking at? Oh, uh, just looking
0: stuff up. You just find look, some more, some more some, nonsense. Just looking some stuff up.
1: Okay, so I just want to give one example. Okay, John Rogers, the first Marian martyr. Yeah, we won't give the whole history of what happened with John Rogers, but John Rogers, <clears throat> he is, uh, he's got an interesting history. Okay, he's connected to. Uh, was was yesterday the uh, anniversary of Tyndale being burned? Yeah. Okay. I just lost my notes. Of course, technology. I'll try to do this by memory. <laughs> okay, Tyndale goes into hiding, I think, somewhere in Germany or France. Okay, at that time, uh, Rogers is also there. So he meets up with him at some hotel, like by sheer providence. Mm-hmm. So he actually, I think, helps compile his works. Um, so when they believe it's safe to go back, they go back. Obviously, it's not safe because they get them. But John Rogers is there. He's uh, he's doing his ministry. He's a, a, a Protestant, not a Catholic. Mary Tudor comes to power, Queen Mary, Bloody Mary. He will be the first Marian martyr. So they get him, and his crimes, for which he's tried, George, are um, being married. There's one. She burned a whole bunch of... Uh, people for being married, because I said that clergy cannot be married, and a denial of transubstantiation. And we'll get to why his denial of transubstantiation is a massive uh, issue as we begin to talk about uh, justification by faith alone. But anyway, tie him up to a stake, parade him through town like it's a big parade, trying to make an example of him, time up to a stake his, his children and his wife are there watching and he be, he sings a psalm as he's going and i guess his enemies said he looked like a man that was going to his wedding instead of a man marching toward his death so they they do they he's burned to death he's martyred because he will not recant of his teachings on justification by faith and transubstantiation okay burned alive and it and it kind of sparked a, a little awakening there. It had the reverse effect. Mary's goal was to like snuff it out and it had the reverse effect. So here we are, George, we find ourselves 500 years later. These are the people, these giants on the shoulders of which we stand. We got leaders in our denomination in, the, in Oklahoma, right? the president, leaders in our local association, and now the national leader mm-hmm. presenting to the world that we are united with Catholics in the gospel. Right. Shameful. They ought to they ought to resign immediately from all of their positions. Everyone that's involved in this. Resign. Go home. Tear their clothes and pour ash on their head and call out for repentance for at least the next 5 years.
0: Tell me what you really think, Jay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and never ever touch any place of leadership in the church ever again and never speak publicly.
0: Look they, they need to yeah, they definitely need to repent. Um, like here's the issue. They're saying we're we're together. We believe that the gospel is um, it is the um, only way in which there can be true recon- racial reconciliation. And they just throw out this word gospel. And then they unite with Roman Catholics and they act like we've got the same gospel, Mm -hmm. but we don't have the same gospel. There was a reason why we had, there was a reformation um, because the gospel had been corrupted. Um, Martin Luther and and others, they they rediscovered the true gospel as they were reading the scriptures. And um, there was, there was a split. There was a, a split, and um, that that hasn't been repaired. There there hasn't been so. There's a lot of these unity. There's a lot. I mean, there's there's organi- organizations that that try to bring Catholics and and Protestants together, and say we're closer. We're closer than you know many people think. Uh-huh. But. When you really get down to the heart of, of what's going on in the the Roman Catholic Church you've got to see that that we're not we're not together we're not right. together um, and so to come to a, an event like this and say we we're, we're, we are are showing that we are the body of Christ that um, we we all hold to the same gospel we're all part of the same, Body. The same body, and um, so we can we can have unity together, and so we're going to worship together. We're going to listen to sermon together. We're going to pray together. We're going to sing together. Like all of this is, is nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's utter nonsense, and to have our leaders involved in this, in the in the the um, you know the the position of of actually organizing this. It really is shameful.
1: Yeah, it's worth it's uh, to have
0: to have Ed Litton's name on here amongst this list, and let's ignore everything else. Let's ignore the United Methodist Church. Let's let's ignore let's let's say we we don't know we don't know for sure what you know this Apostolic Church of God is teaching. Mm-hmm. Just just pick out the Catholic, the Catholic names, one two. Three, four. Yeah, there's four. There's four Catholic names on the steering committee. Um, this event is going to. Uh, I think it has been held at at one of the Catholic churches on this list. Like, there every year they go to a different church to have to have this. This is the fourth year that they've had it. They're going to have another one um, next week mm-hmm. at uh, at one of the Methodist churches. Yeah. It just boggles the mind. It boggles the mind that you've got the president of the SBC, who is up here with a bunch of Catholics, and he's saying we're all we're all together. We got yeah. the same gospel, same body of Christ. We got the same goals. It's we beyond. Can worship together. It's
1: beyond shameful. It's misrepresenting God. Mm-hmm. You're misrepresenting God and the gospel to the world. I mean, people, people act like there's not going to be a, an account for these things, right? That,
0: or that it doesn't they, matter. They li- so so here's the problem, right? What what do they elevate above everything else? What they man- elevate ra- racial reconciliation, right? Ex- like yes. racial reconciliation is such a big issue that we're saying Catholics and Protestants can come and worship together because we're all about that racial reconciliation. Right.
1: They deny the sufficiency of the work of Christ. Right. Like Paul, Paul says... They have another gospel. They should be damned. Yeah. What, ironically, though, what they did in the Council of Trent. So maybe time to talk about why this is such a big divide. Yeah, because there was a Counter Reformation movement, and the Church Council met. Uh, church, uh, Catholic Church Councils composed of uh, it's a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even over a hundred. Yeah, um, you've got archbishops, bishops, um, cardinals, um, patriarchs, like. Uh, leaders, influential leaders, on this big council, and it meets from uh, 1545 to 1563, so 18 years, right? So this is a Counter-Reformation deal. Now, they don't meet for the whole 18 years. They take breaks in between. But after they're done meeting, they come down with a kind of three main uh, decrees, I guess you would call it. The decrees are stamped by the pope. So it becomes the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church, right the first uh the first point had to do with concerning scripture so up until this point, the Apocrypha was not the official officially part of the Bible mm-hmm. people may may find that interesting, like if you talk to a Catholic today, they'll be like, "Well, you guys in the Reformation jettisoned all these extra books. Have you ever heard them say that? Yeah. Like, no, 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 they didn't. You guys added a bunch of different books post-Reformation in a response to the Reformation. Now, why did they do that, George? Do you know why they did it? Tell me. Because there are doctrines like purgatory and all of these other things that cannot be proven uh, using what everyone agreed up until that point were the Bible. Yeah. So... The Apocrypha, these these other books, these extra books that aren't part of the inspired Bible, kind of from the intertestamental period, uh, were not accepted by Jesus or the Pharisees and Sadducees. Yet somehow, magically, the uh, in after the Reformation, fifteen hundreds, the Catholic Church says that they're they're actually inspired by God.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: Um, so the apocrypha comes in, but also they begin to deny uh, sola scriptura, which is here, right, yeah, right, right here behind me, sola scriptura, that everything that man would need to live in relationship to God is found sufficiently in the Bible. Everything for your life and for the church's life and doctrine is found in the Bible. The Bible is sufficient for our faith and practice. They denied that outright in the uh, in this post-Reformation movement. And they brought in church. They elevated church, uh, the councils and the creeds. Surprise, a council just elevated their own uh, teaching to that of Scripture. Mm-hmm. The the papal declarations, church history, um, the teachings of the church. They have now have two sources of authority. So they have the Bible. They say is trustworthy, but then they have all of these. Now, what Luther had been saying the whole time is, guess what? Uh, popes and councils have often erred and contradicted each other. So you can look through. Roman Catholic teaching and see where different councils are contradicting each other. And he's like, there's no way that this can be. Yeah. But they elevated that. And the second one is really the main one. The Declaration at Trent has to do with justification by faith alone, where they literally anathematized themselves. Like, this was (laughs) the end of the Church. Like, prior to this, Luther's trying to reform the Church. Calvin, like, they're reformers. But they, they anathematize themselves. The Catholic Trent came out and said, if anyone says that, that you're justified by faith alone, let them be anathema. Well, that's a problem. Because who teaches yeah. right. explicitly? I mean, it's, this doctrine's taught all over the Bible, but who literally says it explicitly in the Bible that we are justified by faith alone? Do we have any books that help us with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, the book of Galatians is a good place to, <laughs> right. to go. Right,
1: <laughs> right. So they explicitly are denying that. Right. Now what they mean is you're justified by faith and works.
0: Right, right. And they're they are putting a um, they're they're putting kind of a, a uh, conflict between Paul and James. Uh-huh. So they're looking at James, uh, chapter two, talking about faith without works is dead. And they are misunderstanding what James is talking about. Right. Um, James is talking about a, a, you know, this verbal faith that's not accom- accompanied by any kind of life change. Right. And he says that kind of faith is worthless. Yeah. Um. But, so it's
1: the kind of faith that fills the pews of the SBC. <laughs> right. Yes. It's false. It's false early. Greek.
0: It's false Greek faith. Yeah. Right. Um. But James is ta- or uh, Paul is talking about um. The justification that comes by faith alone, apart from works, mm-hmm. he's not—he's not saying that that uh, this kind of faith doesn't have any works, right? Because just read his letters, right? He—he he is urging the Christians because of your justification by faith alone. Now live a certain way, right? Uh, but you're not justified because of your works. Yeah. you're only justified by uh, the righteousness of God that's found in Christ. Yeah, that's right. But the Catholic Church, they deny this.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot one about the scripture that they, they they made illegal any Bible except for the Latin Bible at this. Right. They, they made it like.
0: Yeah, there's a reason why Tyndale was burned. Was burned. Yeah, it's because he was translating the Bible into English. Yeah. Well, it's interesting is that we uh, most of our English Bibles um, owe their uh, owe a lot of their translation to Tyndale. Yeah. Um, even That's the ESV right. that we use, um, I can't remember what the percentage is, but a good percentage of it is Tyndale's translation. Yeah,
1: that is interesting.
0: But the Catholic Church didn't want didn't want the the Bible in you know the the common language because they didn't they want, want the, they didn't want the it. lay people to read it.
1: Why not though? Maybe because Paul says things like (laughs) like contradicting, like that, literally say we're justified by faith alone.
0: Well, this is this again. This is a reason why I say that the Catholic Church is a cult, Uh Um, because one of the the you know the hallmarks of a a cult is that all the power rests with the leaders. Uh Um, They don't. They didn't Uh want the uh, even today. Even though they, they will read the Bible in the common language today um what ten years ago they they finally changed and said the mass doesn't have to be said in Latin can be said in English um, even today individual reading of the Bible is not emphasized um, because the power lies with the leaders the leaders are the ones who you know quote unquote know what the Bible says right and they know what it means and they'll interpret it yeah. interpret it the the church interprets what the Bible says
1: right and they have they they need commitment to their sacramental system. Yeah. So they have to keep you coming back. And part of that keeping you coming back is their third kind of declaration that comes out of that. It has to do with Christ's righteousness. The reformers taught that the righteousness of Jesus Christ was imputed to you at conversion, right? So um Jesus in his life obeyed the law perfectly. This is called his act of obedience. So he was perfectly righteous in all of his actions. And so at his death, God imputes to him our sin. You know, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So there's a double imputation. Christ gets our sin, God imputes to us. His perfection is per- his righteousness. Yeah. Now, that's not to say we never sin again, but it's it's how God sees us. So, like, the moment you die, you are brought into... Uh, into uh, God's presence because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not because of yours. And his is perfect. Um, And so it provides tremendous security to the believer, not based off of your works. Now, they change it. They say, no, they say we are infused with grace by Christ. Mm -hmm. And what happens is because of that infusion of grace, we're now able to earn our own righteousness and therefore we'll stand before God in our own righteousness. Now, no one in a single life could earn the righteousness required to go before God. So there's purgatory where you may spend a million years gathering for yourself enough personal righteousness to make it to heaven. Yeah. It's a ma- so this is these are massive massive issues. It goes right along in with this uh, denial of justification by faith alone, right? In Christ. Right? Huge, big time issues. We can never. Now, I'm not saying you don't fellowship with Catholics. Of course, you should. Uh, er, Protestants ought to have friends, and ought to be friendly with everyone. Would you agree with that? Now, not to the sense where you would promote their heresy, but you ought to be friendly with all men, right? Like yeah. people ought to. People, you, you know, you ought to be. If they don't like you, maybe they don't like you because of your doctrine. But they can say, "Well, you know what? I think if I needed something, that guy would help me. Like you're friendly. They can't. They can't ever look at you and, and like hold something against you like that." Right. So be friends with Catholics, mm-hmm. of course, and of course you want to be friends with them because you want to get, bring the gospel to them and win them to Christ. Right. But what you don't do is you don't put them on a big platform and say <laughs> we have the same gospel. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't do that. Yeah, right. It, again, th- I don't understand. I, I just don't understand it, man. I, I I can't. There's no way I can be brought to understand while someone who says they're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who stands in this long line of people who have literally died for this, and and just be like, yeah, whatever. It's not that big a deal.
0: You do remember Ed Litton's statement on. Uh, The trinity on his church website right (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) before it got it got wiped you do remember right like i don't I i think i think the reason why is that they don't they don't think about theology they're not theologians they hear they hear that you know catholics they will affirm a whole lot of the same things that that Protestants affirm.
1: Well, you know what's funny they they've it?
0: got a they've got a better statement on the Trinity than Ed Litton's they d- they <laughs> the do. Redemption Church.
1: You know what's funny too is is in a, a, they're closer to us than now the United Methodist Church.
0: That's true. Who yeah.
1: denies the inerrancy of Scripture? Mm-hmm. Who deny the deity of Jesus Christ? Like many of them deny that uh-huh, right. and affirm uh, fully the LGBTQ lifestyle. Yeah. So in those ways, oh, and the inerrancy of Scripture they've held on to. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah. The Methodist Church denies all those, right? But when it comes to the gospel, it's still a big divide.
0: Yeah. So you're. So I think that a lot of people they get they hear that um, the the Church of Rome, um, you know, affirming the Trinity, the deity of Christ, you know, the Virgin Birth, um, inerrancy, death, resurrection of Christ, like things that you know even you know liberal denominations in the Protestant tradition. Deny, it. deny. Nowadays, yeah, um, and they they say, man, I'm I'm in agreement with that. Yeah, like the Catholic Church will say, Jesus died for your sins. They they don't deny the necessity for Christ's death mm-hmm. for for salvation. Right. Um, they look at the mass, and I think a lot of. A lot of Christians they they just see it as another form of the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just communion. They just do it in a you know really high church way. and they they don't know, they don't know theology. They don't think about yeah. this stuff. Like what you were talking about John Rogers, what what Baptist today do you know? Just mainstream, not not us. what what Baptist do you know of in this surrounding area that would be willing to to be put to death? For the Lord's Supper, I
1: don't know any that aren't connected with our network. I mean, we have a network of churches. I think they would, yeah. but outside of that, I don't know any that would. <laughs> right, like they like just just the regular churchgoer should transport themselves like in that time, like bring it to the future, go backwards, whatever. They tell you, you will deny what you believe about the Lord's Supper, or we're going to burn you to death in front of your family.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I I don't.
1: Would even would people even know why it's a big deal? Right to to, uh, to stand boldly and refute their teaching of Yeah. So what that?
0: what does the what what is the well this? I is mean, gonna, we talked about it. We've talked about it. You you played that clip of their hocus pocus. Yeah, yeah, several months ago. What what is the what's the difference between?
1: Okay, well, here's the difference, and is a little preview to what's coming October 31st because it just would so happen by providence. I'm preaching on October 31st, Reformation Day. The text I'm preaching is the last words of Jesus, which is "It is finished." Right to tell us die, and which means it is finished. Mm -hmm. Now, what the Roman Catholic Church, and I take that to mean, paid in full. All the work that God had him to do completed, he died for his sheep, satisfaction for sin has been made, he accomplished it all, it's, it's really a cry of victory in my mind. Now, what the Catholic Church does is they say the Roman Catholic priesthood has been imbued with magical properties where they can reach up into heaven, pull Jesus Christ down from his throne, and this is official Catholic Church doctrine, I'm not, I'm not, and I know I'm prone to hyperbole, but at this point I'm not, I'm just saying what they believe. Yeah. They pull him back down from heaven and they take Jesus to the altar and re-crucify him again upon the altar, and then they take his flesh and his blood, and they feed it to you, and it's by you feeding upon him that you then, because you've been infused by grace, are able to gain more righteousness for yourself. And that's why any hardcore Catholic, any real Catholic, will take the Mass every day, George. Right. Because it's available every day. Yeah, yeah. And they'll go to it every day because they want more righteousness. So they believe, not it is finished, but they believe, let's re-crucify Jesus A million times over, again and again, until he returns. Mm -hmm. Now, that, again, I may have said it bluntly, but I am not saying anything incorrect. And if I did, I'm willing to be corrected. Yeah. They believe they're re-crucifying Christ again and presenting him openly for you to come and take.
0: Right. Is that what we believe, Jay? (laughs) No,
1: and it's not. I mean, it's not what John Rogers believed. It's not what the reformers We've believed. We've done
0: a. We did a, a whole episode on the Lord's Supper. Right. When was this? Two months ago. Yeah, yeah. So. It's been. It's been a bit. Yeah, so we don't have to. We don't have to. uh Yeah. Did you go kick back that through
1: sign. It. We got a little earthquake I mean, coming in here. Oh goodness.
0: Um, but we don't have to go go back through that. But that's not what we believe. Now you somebody don't you, don't you? We we do not when we take the Lord's Supper. We do not think that. We we drag Christ back down, and and that the bread and the and the cup are actually turned into the the literal body and blood of Christ. Now they don't
1: have the power to do it anymore, because they're uh, providentially God has taken the state power away from the Catholic Church. They used to have like all power, yeah. power over the state, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they did, if they had state power again, and and they were to tell you. You by taking the Lord's Supper and preaching what you preach about the Lord's Supper, or just believing it in your own home, um, and and you're saying that we're justified by faith alone. You're, you're denying what we teach in the Supper, and look at the stake we've got it prepped for you. And you say, no, nah, you know what? Remember, I was at the evening of unity, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you remember that when I was at the evening of unity and presented to the world we're one together in the gospel." It's a big deal.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, but uh, okay. So, so getting back to kind of what we were we were looking at is you see what is more important to yeah. a lot of the leadership in the SBC.
1: Well, clearly, because there was outrage over. And rightly so, outrage over what happened with the sexual abuse allegations. Yeah. But there is no outrage over this. Right. Zero. Where's the zeal for God in the gospel? Yeah. Where is it at? How is not every president in the SBC calling right now for his resignation, for, for as they say, worshiping, presenting one gospel and one body uh, to the world? Every leader in the SBC should be demanding right now his resignation. No one is. Yeah.
0: Why? Um. Well, the eleventh commandment: you don't speak out against those in leadership. Um, but two, I think it's the fear of being called a racist. Like, why would you be? Why would you be against this? This night of of racial reconciliation. Uh, why you must be one of those you must be one of those uh, those racists in the the Southern Baptist Convention that that Russell Moore talked about in his yeah. leaked letter. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think it's I think there's a fear of man. Yeah. I, I think that people fear man, they don't fear God. Because if you feared God, then this would be flipped. Right. And they would be they would be just this outcry. Against Ed Litton having anything to do with with this group that that's partnering with Roman Catholics. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just add it to the list. I mean, they're they're not going to say anything. They're not going to say anything about him uh, because he is promoting the agenda that the world is watching. Right. And um, they're they're not they don't care about the real the real issues, the real important issues. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not going to have racial, racial reconciliation around the gospel when there's two, when, when what you mean is something totally different.
1: Right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're just a bunch of nobodies, right. um, and that's okay. But think of the things we've had our conferences on, right? Covering the Reformation doctrines, which are essential, covering the gospel, which is essential, covering regeneration. Uh, the new birth, and what's coming up in the next conference, christ Center Church's conference, is on the Trinity. So we're kind of covering these things, which most people today are like, whatever, it's not a big deal. But it is a big deal, because it all ties back into the gospel. And that's why I think we're passionate about this. We do think it's a big deal. The world needs a clearly articulated gospel, right? The world will never be helped by any type of unity that is not found in the gospel the real gospel right um you're just putting patchwork on it mm-hmm. you know it's like the the ship is sinking the ship is uh our culture and you're trying to patch it with like a tarp like you've got you've got a you've got a, a gaping hole in the metal in the bottom of your boat and you're like ah just just keep scooping water out and throw it overboard we'll be okay yeah and and we need, the world needs the gospel. People need the gospel. Even if you're not talking about um, bringing unity, which is a great goal, um, just people people are living and dying and perishing without the gospel. Mm-hmm. People that are in churches, yeah. people that go to church and never hear the gospel, they'll never hear these things ever talked about. Yeah. So it's a big deal. Right. It's a, big, it's a massive deal. That's so where I'm at on it. And I've expended all of my ammunition, George. So okay. it might be time to shut down unless you got something else. I don't have anything else. All right, no. you wanna shut down? Sure. All right, yep. here we
0: go. Well, this is, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more about the Reformation as we go through the month. Um, it's a big deal. It's not, uh, it's not something that we should just take lightly. It's not something we should ignore. We can't water down the gospel in order to promote um, any other social agenda. Um, even good causes, um, we have to be first and foremost about the gospel because that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is what I, I presented to you as of first importance. It's the gospel. And so we need to be gospel, not uh, not like the SBC leadership says, gospel above all, where they don't actually talk about what the gospel is, but we need to be gospel above all as the scriptures present it. And so we hope that today this has been helpful for you. And of course, we hope that this helps you to become more and more conformed to Christ.